Good evening, Brian. Well, hey there, Nick. <laughs> I figured I'd be a little more formal this time. <laughs> so today we Howdy, had Eric. Partner. Yeah. <laughs> today we had Eric Thurwinger uh, on the show again. Again, and uh, you know he's the founder of an organization called Think Great. He's the author of six books, and you know he's been doing leadership programs now for. For many years, uh, I had the privilege of meeting him when he was a facilitator for a program that I went through, and and uh, and it was it was actually you know more than one that I was able to attend with him. Uh, but uh, you know we had him on for the theme of leading through chaos, and it just happened to be perfectly timed. It, it came right as the COVID crisis was really uh, becoming you know a widespread pandemic. And I think his message was was very articulate and very necessary for that. And, and so now we've got him back for a, a similar, uh, you know, timely uh, topic, I think. Yeah, and the conversation was great. So anyone who hasn't listened to uh, Eric's previous episode might want to go back and listen to episode 28 first. Um, that's where Eric goes through about his, a little bit of his background, how he got into leadership and everything. Um, so you might want to go back and give that episode a listen before you give this one a listen. Yeah, we just kind of skip right into conversation on this one, but uh, he's, <laughs> he, he does give a very good backgrounder, and it's a story worth hearing as well. I mean, he's there, there are a lot of things that have contributed to making this man uh, both a leader as well as uh, the, the conceptualizer of Think Great, and uh, he, he goes through a lot of those definitions of how he created his company as well as his own personal story uh, in that episode. And with that, let's uh, just get on with the show. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nicholas Arnold, Washington, D.C. And we're thrilled to have Eric Thurwanger returning for a second episode with us in, in really not a very long period of time. So uh, a man of breaking many records, and here's another one for being our fastest <laughs> returning guest. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me back on, guys. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. It's uh, it's always great to talk with you. And uh, I know the last episode where we had you on, we focused on the theme of leading through chaos. And yeah. that could not have been more timely, I don't think, given everything that's been going on during the COVID crisis. And, and uh, now we're, we're, we're trying to get to the other side of what the COVID crisis looks like, which kind of brings us to the theme that we were talking about just before we started recording about leading through the transition. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, this is going to be the most challenging phase for sort of the leaders out there. And, and I think that as we were talking about earlier, there's, there's really three phases of these, these times of chaos. And, and the first one is the incident itself. Then there's the transition and then there's the arrival at the new norm. And so we're in phase two right now, which in my experience is always the most challenging. And you can look at it in many different perspectives, but even when I was in the military, you can have people go into chaos. You, you, you train them, you develop them to go into chaos, all these, all these challenging circumstances. And then one of the greatest challenges they experience is the transition back to their new life when they get out. So here they are being trained and developed to go into any circumstance, 
And one of the most challenging components for these men and women can be the transition into their own new normal life again. Um, even when I was my wife's caregiver, through multiple battles with cancer and, and fighting and recovering from a battle, uh, an incident of cardiac arrest, the actual incidents are more regimented than the transitions. And, and I remember when she had her first battle with cancer, it was scheduled doctor appointments and visits and treatments. So chemotherapy, radiation, stem cell transplant, do this, do that. I'm not saying that was easy, but it was the transition back to the new normal lifestyle that was the hardest, that recovery period. And, and so we see this transition phase being less crystal clear. In fact, right now, people are transitioning out of COVID at different paces. Um, yeah. Some people are saying, well, we can gather in, in groups of 10. No, we can't. We got to stay six feet apart. No, we don't. And so there's a lot of ambiguity right now. And that can make this whole transition phase harder than any of the incidents that we've ever faced. <laughs> And to me, the leadership that is, you know, the function that it can best serve at this point is to help remove that ambiguity. And I, I, I'm not sure that I've uh, been witnessing that that's been the case necessarily. <laughs> no, and I, and I think that when leaders aren't prepared for transitions, and this is one of the things we've been doing at Think Great is working with leadership teams to help them through the transition. If they're not prepared for it, they're really wandering around in the fog during the transition too. And, you know, when you just look back at what are we supposed to be doing as leaders, we're encouraging people to follow us and we should be heading somewhere. So I think during the transition, you know, one of the big focal points for leaders should be sharing that vision of a better future. Um, people are also afraid of the new norm. And, and that's, you know, I'm sure that's going to become the most overutilized and hated phrase of 2020 is the new norm. But there will be something new, you know, um, even after 9-11, there was a new norm with traveling and we sure. got used to it. And, and some of the things were actually better and made sense because of it. And I think leaders really need to keep people focused on the positive attributes that are coming. And, and that way, they're not so much looking down during the transition. They can look up, be more optimistic, be more excited about it, be more focused on goals. So leaders are, you know, after those three phases. This is when we're called upon the most. I think you bring up a great point, you know, particularly about 9-11, because it, some of the positive outcomes, while they may have inconvenienced getting through a security line, ultimately helped provide everyone with greater peace of mind once they got on a plane, right? You, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. a bit of a trade-off, but, um, you know, I've, I've traveled around the world, and one of my favorite places is Singapore. And that's not a place that's known for uh, lightweight restrictions on <laughs> behavior, <laughs> but they right. clearly set expectations. And, and part of the benefit that you see as a result of that outcome is you've got a very well-organized society and one that is designed ultimately to be in service to the greatest number for the greatest good. There's yeah. a trade-off with that, however, right? And you give up some of what we in this country tend to cling to related to individual freedoms. You know, that seems to take such a precedent yeah. for so many of us. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's, and that's such a great point. I think there's always something better that can come out of the chaos. And, you know, really you're talking about, there's no decade that has been without a chaos or free from chaos. There's always been something. And so I think that this is when we're called upon most and, and leaders have to really look at what their style is right now and guiding people. And 
you know, what words they're choosing to use, the, the communication styles. You know, people are uncertain, they're nervous, they're afraid. Um, but, but, you know, even when you look at it, like people are afraid that there's going to be a recession. But even after the Great Recession, there were things put into place so that the negative impacts of it don't happen again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, right, right out of the gates when COVID hit, you know, you have each state, you know, working with, with businesses and there's, there's loans coming out and there's, you know, the, the uh, payroll protection programs and, and all of these things in place that they weren't there when the Great Recession hit. So, um, so we learned our lessons. And I, and I think that this is just our opportunity to find greatness in the future. And, and opportunities that we would have seized three or four months ago before COVID, they've just moved and we have to find them. And I think that's, that's where people really struggle is the incident took them out of their comfort zone. They're still out of their comfort zone in the transition phase. And during both of those phases, they're just missing the opportunities that are already there. Uh, they've just been moved a little bit. So we've got a different pathway we have to follow. And I think that's what you know, peer leadership in its in its most basic form, we're guiding people. And if we don't know where we're guiding them to, well, now they're going through a transition with a leader who doesn't know where he or she is going, and they're even more confused. And, and they're going to go somewhere else. At the end of the day, every single person working at a company is making that decision. Am I going to stay there or am I going to leave? And what was my leaders like during this time period, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I like how you've broken things into those, those three phases. Is there a similar sub breakdown for each phase? Like what are some of the other critical factors now that we're in this transitory phase? You know, I think that there's, I think each phase has its own norm that we start to get to, you know, and we have to look for those areas. Um, it, it's the normalcy that starts to take place during chaos and during the transition. So when COVID first broke out, I mean, it was pandemonium. People didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to come fast and furious at us. But then we started to get used to some things, you know, the six-foot rule. And we started to get used to the mask. And we started to get used to curbside pickup. And now we're in this new phase again where I think those subcategories, Brian, that you're mentioning, are the things that the stepping stones to normalcy. You know, right now, look at the restaurant industry. They're trying to figure out how to open their doors up. So we're going, okay, wait a minute. We can do patios first. Um, I even saw some crazy things where, I don't know, they're putting up some sort of clear plastic around people in restaurants. So I'm going to stick with curbside, I think. I'm not going in right now. <laughs> like that I think you'd look good in plastic. <laughs> bring, your own, bring your own clear shower curtain, right? I don't know. But um, I, I think that, you know, we've got to find those, those normalcies in this phase right now for our business, but then also from the leadership side for our people. Each industry is going to transition differently, but all leaders need to transition their people. And, and we have to find those commonalities. And I would say during the transition phase, we really have to focus on that greater purpose of why we're here as an organization. And we're heading in this way. We need to focus on that vision and our goals. And and the biggest question that I'm getting a yes to all the time, no matter where we are in any of the phases, is I will ask leadership teams or leaders or people in businesses, can your organization be greater? And unanimously, everybody says yes. And so that can be a very unifying question. So let's just say that three of us all worked in the same company, and we're all stressed out about the transition. We're scared. We're nervous. 
And some one of us, Nick, just says, hey, can we be greater? Well, as soon as we say yes, we have to start thinking about what it'll take to get there, which means it's in the future. So one of the most unifying questions is how can we be greater? And then the list starts. And at that point, I believe that those stepping stones or each of those areas for greatness allow us to transition out. So we've been working with leadership teams that were complete chaos when COVID hit um, simply because their leaders weren't unified. And then through the right assessments of leadership and focused on those questions, they started to pull together through the transition and had miraculous transformations. It was really incredible to see, yet the question was always there. They just never asked it. So we have to find those commonalities that unify our people. So, so you talk about going, being greater, going to some destination. How important is communication and planning in this, right? Because it's just like us pulling out Google Maps and saying we want to go to Chicago, Illinois. It's easier to go to Chicago, Illinois if we know that's where we're going <laughs> as yeah. opposed to just fumbling around. So how important is that right now as you're coming out of this chaos in this transition? Well, in, in, in my leadership book, I have a whole chapter on communication. And I, and I have a concept called CPC, constant personal communication. And I believe that every leader has to find that right frequency of communication with their team members. So, so if this was my team, I would probably set up a time weekly where all of us are gathered where we can talk. But I would also set it up where I could do one-on-ones with Nick and then a one-on-one with Brian. Um, just because we have a chaos or a transition and just because we can't be face-to-face doesn't mean we can't have that communication. And I think leaders just need to schedule it more now. You know, if we were all in the same building, I could walk over to Brian's office. We could walk down the street and grab a cup of coffee without having to wear some sort of clear plastic <laughs> cone of silence. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's harder now, and that's why I think that leaders are challenged. And I think that it's very important for us to control time. We, we tend to have more of it now because of the chaos. So even for me, I have less travel time, which means I have to schedule my time with my team. I can't just walk down the hall and say, let's get in the conference room. Um, we have to be more intentional with our communication now, because at the end of the day, there's still a Marine Corps leadership principle that says, keep your Marines informed. If we are not keeping our people informed, what I found is, and it is a really brilliant principle that they have, if leaders don't keep their people informed, then the void of information gets filled with negative thoughts, fears, yeah. worries, everything. Mm-hmm. So the rule doesn't say how often we keep people informed or how much. It just says keep them informed so that they don't fill their heads with negativity. And then you couple that with the fears of transition. And now you got people going crazy out there. So I think, Nick, that's a, it's a good point. Leaders have to schedule their communication with their team and be very on point with what those topics are. You know, in that same uh, theme, I think part of what I've seen a lot of people wrestling with is trying to filter which information that's being communicated to them is validated in some way versus conjecture. And we've seen this very hyper-mediated kind of, uh, you know, component to the crisis where there's a lot of information that, you know, it's just, you know, it's throwing shade on a lot of what have been considered traditional and trustworthy, uh, you know, sources of information and communication. 
And there's this factionalism that seems like it's grown out of it, where from a leadership perspective, it feels like there should really be an opportunity to step in and say, look, you know, we've, we've got to filter out a lot of this noise. It's just adding to, you know, since yeah. we were talking about before, it becomes this force multiplier to the chaos that's already out of our control. And from a leadership perspective, you know, trying to, to put a lid on um, that's right. all this additional chaos, you know, we're, we're, we're calling it all communication, we're calling it all information, but there's a qualitative difference in, you know, where you sift right. out this, this valid yeah. information. And I think that's a, that's an important point because leaders, um, especially during COVID, I noticed that some leaders actually picked up the volume of communication they were doing, but they continually communicated the same thing. Um, they were just regurgitating COVID-19 information that they received from an association or a chamber and, so now their people are being inundated with so much information on it that they hate hearing from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like watching mm-hmm. the news. You know, right now, the time period we're in, the only thing on the news are the riots. So, but the crazy part is SpaceX just launched and had a successful <laughs> mission. And most people don't even know what happened. <laughs> so, you know, so to a certain extent, we're, you know, you know, leaders, a lot of leaders are like, news stations they go for the ratings right here's what we think people need to hear so we almost inundate them and then we end up filling space if you watch any of the reports reporters on tv they're just filling the dead space they never want to have dead space so they they talk a lot but they say nothing and leaders have to be very careful of that now i'm not saying that spacex is more important than everything going on what i am saying is it would be nice to have a little bit of a blend um, and I think leaders need to do exactly what your point is, Brian, and your point, Nick. We need to schedule the frequency of communication and make sure we're covering the relevant topics and and not just saying, well, here, now I can look like a good communicator because I've got a million facts on COVID-19, which are changing every day anyways. Um, I think things like that, it's great to get updates, but there's a lot of other relevant things happening in the world and in businesses that still need to be covered like SpaceX, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, that was awesome, but it was well, hard my, to find. My wife and I were watching, uh, watching the news. It was mainstream news last night. And there was probably about 25 solid minutes of coverage given to, you know, all of these George Floyd riots. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a terrible situation. It's been a, an equally terrible, you know, response in, in some degrees. But the uh, there was about a three-minute story that came at the very end of all of that that showed police in solidarity with protesters, right? Yeah. Taking a moment of silence, um, leading protesters in prayer, uh, marching with the protesters, actually yeah. you know, putting down their batons and their helmets and their sidearms and marching with the protesters and yeah. standing up there and talking about you know, this is this is not uh, what the police force is intended for. It's here to help protect and serve, and then leading that solidarity. To me, that was that was this great moment of leadership. And to your point, it's you know it was given three minutes versus the you know twenty five minutes of of all this other inflammatory information. Well, and I think that you know leaders influence people just the same as media. You know, there's that's an influence factor. And 
with the media right now, they know that if they show buildings burning, they get ratings. If they say we're going to show some cops walking with people, you know, nobody's tuning in. And yet that's a success story. And I think that, you know, what that really brings up, Brian, is a really, really great point that during this time period, leaders need to find success stories in their organization. They need to find success stories so they can edify each other. Like, look what our leader did. Because I saw some footage, too, similar to what you're talking about, about who was a sheriff, and he marched with them and said, hey, I'm with you. I I don't agree with this stuff either. Now, you know, he saw his firearm with him, but he took his helmet off and he he um, he marched with him and he made a, a point. He made a statement. But I think during this time period, this is one of the greatest moments ever for leaders to find success stories, find reasons to praise their people for doing things. Um, you know, maybe we have a leader or a team member who helped helped us to become greater, helped us to accomplish a goal, helped us to resolve an issue during all of this. I mean, imagine doing any of those things when all the stars align and it's all great out there, but for somebody to do those things during tough times, um, this is our opportunity. And I think using the news as an analogy, it's easy to cover the chaos and get ratings and to think that's what we're supposed to talk about, but to find ways to praise and appreciate and recognize um, this is a great time to do that. And I, and I feel that, it takes a leader with a backbone to be able to say something like that, you know, and then not give in to the fears and the worries and all that stuff, but to actually start saying, Hey, um, here's something good that they did. In fact, I'm working with a, an organization right now and their leaders are, were disunified going into all this. And I just shared the simple word edification. You guys have to learn to say some good things about each other. They're, they're so fast to point out the one thing this person does wrong and so one of their assignments, so there, there was eight of them, and one of their assignments this week is that each leader has to find three leaders in their, in their leadership team, three leaders that they don't normally talk to, and call up and do nothing more than say, hey, Brian, it's Eric, I got three things I wanted to share with you about. I've noticed that you're doing very well. <laughs> and, and, and we have to look for these areas and start unifying people because the chaos, the transition, it can push us apart where by the time we get to some sort of new norm, we won't even recognize our team anymore. They'll be so disjointed. Sure. So, so yeah, I think things like that have to be brought up. And, and, and we live in a culture where people would rather watch the train wreck <laughs> than, than, the, than the train driving through a, a beautiful village. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Beautiful scenery. Like, wow, look at that. It's beautiful. Yeah, but here's one that crashed and we all look to that. And we can easily do the same thing in the workplace too. So we, we have to bring hope and inspiration. Yes. Yeah, so your point about that, um, reaching and checking with your people. Uh, for me, one of the more important things right now too is probably vulnerability and empathy. When we go back to talking about that sheriff, right? He made himself really vulnerable to the people yeah. um, to show them that, you know, hey, I'm here with you. Um, I'm not like the other people. What's happening is messed up. Um, and that takes a, a certain amount of uh, humility, right, to admit that things aren't wrong, things aren't going right, um, and that you identify with what's going on with somebody. Um, so how important is it for leaders now to just be checking in with their people instead of just, you know, sending newsletters saying, hey, the CDC is saying stay six feet away, put your mask on when you go like yeah. that. Um, 
I, I feel like they should still be at least checking in with their people saying, hey, Brian, you know, uh, how have you been? How's life been at home? Is there anything we can do for you to make your, your um, time working at home better? I think checking in, I think you hit down on a couple of good points. I think the vulnerability side is important because that shows that they're human. And so whether it's a police officer or a sheriff doing it, um, it, it, it allows them to reconnect with people. And mm-hmm. leaders need to do it too. I think that sometimes people in an organization that we don't call them employees, we call them team members, right? That team members may think that leaders are almost subhuman, that they're not real. And it's important for leaders to be genuine and sincere and walk a mile in their shoes. So what the sheriff did or the police that you saw was walk a mile in their shoes. Now, in addition to being vulnerable, that was brave too. When you go to a, yeah. Uh, people who are angry at your profession and then get in the middle of them. So that spoke volume. But I also think it's the same thing in the workplace, right? You've got people who may be unhappy with upper management or leadership. And when leaders get in there and walk in their shoes, uh, it's kind of like that, that undercover boss show, right? They go into the trenches with them and they learn a little bit about their world. And it's huge. And your point, Nick, about, checking in on them is huge. You know, we should be checking in during the good times, but it's imperative that we do it during the bad times. You know, we may do it with our teams. We need, we can do it with our clients. We can do it with our prospects. We can do it with anybody just to ask, how are you holding up through all this? Um, and I think that it gets back into the fact that leadership is the people side of the business, regardless of the industry we work in. And if we're not calling and showing some empathy and some caring um, we can't really consider ourselves leaders, you know. We do need yeah, to call I mean, and check in on them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that completely, and I I love that Nick said that. I'm not surprised one bit. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> to me, uh, one of those facets of empathy that is also so critical yeah. is good listenership, right? And active listening. It's yeah. I think a lot of leaders get locked up with this sense that because they're in a leadership role, they need to be talking constantly. And, you know, actually the opposite is often true. You need to be engaging. You need to be getting feedback from people and having a clear understanding of where are people's heads at, you know, where, and, and get in touch with them emotionally so that you know that the message that you're trying to communicate is fine-tuned to the, the audience and their receptivity coming from where they are. Do you find that to be true? I think it's huge. Absolutely. And I think it goes back to if we have a foundation of leadership that we agree with, then there are there's some undeniables. <clears throat> and, and one of the undeniables or non-negotiables, the things that all leaders have to agree upon is they have to ask themselves this question. When they're hiring people, are they looking for people better than them or worse than them? It, and that focal point tells you everything you need to do. So if I hire Nick and I expect him to be worse than me, I'm probably not going to delegate to him, probably not going to listen to him because I don't care about his thoughts. It's going to dictate my behavior. When you have a team member that you bring on, and let's say I hire Nick and I, I feel I'm hiring somebody who can be better than me, well, now the purpose of my training and development and communication all take a different uh, approach because I'm trying to get him to do the things that I do better than me. That's why I hired him. So we have to listen. Um, you, you know, there are things that I do at Think Great that I've delegated to the team. So you hire somebody, they now take over a task. They should be able to do it better than me because not only do they have my experience and my support, 
I hired somebody better than me. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm saying I hired you to be better than me, it's going to cause me to react and, and, and perform in a different way so I can get that out of you. Very much like as leaders, we are coaches. We're not supposed to be on the field or the court taking the shots. We're hiring the players to take them far better than we ever could. So I think that really understanding our role as leaders during the chaos, during the transition, and into the new norm, whatever it looks like, understanding what our role is is important. You know, if Nick's the coach of a basketball team and he starts stepping onto the court to take the shots for his players, he's going to get teed up. He's fine. <laughs> no, but in business, it happens all the time, even though every leader says, I hire people better than me, but they're not treating them that way. And that's mm -hmm. where a lot of the frustration comes in. So good yeah, point. You know, you know, I think there's uh, I've heard it said more than once that, uh, you know, a managers, a leaders always hire a uh, team members, right? It's yeah. the B, the B managers that always hire C and hire <laughs> C level and below, sure. right? They don't want to be outshined for one thing. And they want people yeah. that they can control. And, and those things are not leadership. Well, it's interesting. You're right. And a lot of people hire people they can control. Whereas for me, I've always hired people I want to give control to. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean I lose any of it. I actually gain more control by not having to do everything. Yeah. But again, again, there's, you know, aside from my, my book on leadership, I don't feel there's any handbooks on leadership. I feel that this one says, hey, <laughs> here's the direction we need to go in. Because not only have I learned leadership in the military, but I've transitioned it into the civilian world in many different industries. And now I coach virtually every industry on it. And it is really universal. There are some things, whether it's the insurance side of things or the retail side of things, or, you know, hospitality or medical, or it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's still the people business. And every leader has to define why they hired that person. I mean, you guys have probably seen leaders doing the work that their teams should be doing, even though they were hired to do that work. And then the leader might complain that there's too much on their plate. And they just, they're not connecting the people the way that he should. It's just crazy. It's like, well, I'll hire and, um, and then they go, well, I need to hire more bodies. No, <laughs> you already hired the bodies to be better than you. You just have to develop them so they do it all. So there's a lack of empowerment in the workplace, you know, and too many leaders. I, I think, you know, this is, a, this is a great point on leadership. I think that too many leaders have attained their current position because they took control of something and made it happen, which is awesome. Now they're frustrated because they still have so much untapped potential, but they're not training and developing people to be better than them to take it off of their plates so that they can now lead a team that does everything they did better. And, and they're frustrated because now they've caused themselves to be stuck because they've held onto the control rather than transfer it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the vast majority of leaders frustrations and anxieties come from is you can't just throw people at a situation and fix it. You have to, you have to develop leaders to fix that situation. So, you know, that the, the, the chaos and the transition, you find out who's who is the leader pretty quick. I like that because oftentimes, you know, you, you see people in the business world and, and wherever that they tend to get promoted to leadership roles because they were a high skilled performer in let's say sales or something, right? This is the highest salesman. Sure. So we're going to make him the leader because obviously he knows what to do because he's a salesman. 
but then those skills don't necessarily transfer over to being a leader, right? There's some skills I always feel like that leaders uh, are naturally kind of born with. Um, Like you can be empathetic. You could be, you know, be good with your words. Um, But it's always those people, you know, who are high performers, I find, who sometimes don't want to be leaders, who get pushed into leadership roles, um, (laughs) you know, who are the ones who kind of keep people down. Um, And I feel like a lot of leadership is you working for the people um, that work with you, right? Uh, Obviously, if I hire Brian, I want Brian to be better than me. I want Brian to eventually take my job so that I can go off and do something else. Um, So if you're a leader and you're noticing that you kind of take task on yourself because you want to do it, how can you kind of make that transition to like let go of some of that trust to, to let your team do what you hired them to do? Great question. So I have a chapter in my book all on delegation exactly <laughs> for that reason, because that's one of the top challenges that leaders have. Again, it goes back to some leaders are control freaks and they've, they've attained their position because they've taken control. And now if you looked up the definition of delegate, it's to give control. It's also to empower. So the, here's this unique paradigm shift where when I teach leaders how to delegate, I've got to get them to answer some questions. The very first question I ask them is, is it important for a leader to empower their people? And they always say yes. And I said, hey, well, that's great. Because in the dictionary, it says that one of the definitions of delegation is the act of empowering someone else to act for you. So for us to delegate isn't an option. It's an obligation. We have to do it. It, it, It's the same as like, Nick, if you have kids and you tie your kids' shoes at two years old, that's great. Great parenting. If you're still doing it when they're 22, something's wrong. <laughs> and we have leaders now, barring any you know physical or mental conditions, but I'm just saying, now we have leaders that hired somebody and they're still doing the work for them 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the team member has now trained the leader to do their work and the leader is frustrated. The act of delegation is so critical because it does empower somebody. So if I tell Nick, hey, I'm hiring you, you can be better than me, but I'm not giving you this task. I'm now saying you can never be better than me. And so there's a contradiction in our words and our actions, and we have to unify our language. And in the military, they're constantly training you to take over for them. Because at some point, everyone takes the uniform off for the final time. And their mindset is they're building up. What, it doesn't matter what um, branch it is even the new space force, it'll be the exact same thing. <laughs> if they, if the, can you imagine for a second, if the military had the mindset that nobody can be as good as me and every generation coming in was never as good as the last, we would lose all of our freedoms here. We would, things would be different. And so that mindset works in there, but that's why they train and develop at such a faster or more intense pace because they believe in that individual. So to your point, Nick, it's not an option. It's an obligation. We have to delegate because it's one of the first steps in empowerment. We cannot afford to hold on to things. So, but then again, now we've got to look back and go, okay, well, how are we hiring people? We've got to look at our, our, our questions when we hire people. Are we looking for a warm body or are we looking for or somebody better than us? That's a whole different, you know, I've seen leaders say, I just need a warm body. Then they get one. And then they're upset because that person didn't perform. 
I'm like, I could have saved you a lot of time. They're not if if the requirement is that you're alive. You know, <laughs> you you gotta you gotta flush it out a little bit, right? Well, but, I know you're talking. What's that? No, I, I know we were talking a little bit about you know how folks end up in some of those leadership roles, and it's times like these where you know those qualities really shake out. I think sort of a counter to what I was just hearing you say, you know, I've worked with other leaders who they're sort of like this incumbent force, right? They've they've been in yeah. an organization for a certain duration, or they they showed their value in a certain way at a certain time, and. Consequently, what happens is they've been given this, uh, you know, sort of token leadership role. Yeah. And then as they're yeah. bringing in other new members of the team, they're actually ill-equipped to continue to perform at a leadership level. And consequently, you end up with a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? And then they, they're they not effective enough to actually shut down uh, you know, who should be doing what, create some roles and responsibilities, matrices, and really establish a vision that they're driving their own directives towards as a leader. But then they don't get moved out of that because they're in this sort of incumbent <laughs> position. That's right. Does that sound yeah, familiar? It's yeah, it's an interesting dynamic out there. In fact, um, what I learned in the military is there's a huge difference when it comes to promoting people to leadership, there's a huge difference of having somebody available and having somebody capable. And what you'll find in the military, and this is what I transition into the civilian world, is long before you're promoted in the military, long before you have people directly reporting into you, they're developing you as a leader. So when it happens, you've been developed. Here's what happens in the civilian world most of the time. <laughs> We're gonna wait. <laughs> Um, Brian's been with us 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is. He's got seniority and he's a top producer. Well, let's promote him. Neither of those things qualify <laughs> you as a leader. Right. None of it. And then, and then when stuff hits the fan and your team complains, then they say, you know, we should really uh, look at developing Brian. Well, you should have looked at developing him years ago. It's going to save a lot of money. And then, <laughs> you know, then you don't have that revolving door of team members, good ones. And you don't have the revolving door of good leaders too, because, if the development side isn't in there, we can't expect them to perform. So this is, um, you know, this is when the rubber meets the road for leaders out there. We're finding out who's been developed and who hasn't. And certainly availability is not going to help you through the transition. Now, here's the good news for leaders. Let's just say Nick was there a long time and he's available and he's a leader. <laughs> At any given minute, he can actually make the decision to lead. And he can start to speak leadership. He can start to teach traits and principles. He can start to guide and coach and mentor. He can start to share vision with his people. So we work with a lot of very successful people who happen to be in leadership roles who have never been developed as leaders. So maybe they've been at the same company 20 years, and their exposure with Great was the first time they've ever been able to learn about leadership. And I do believe that we can teach leadership. Um, it, it's not rocket science. It's really a desire. You know, you, you can teach it to somebody, but if Brian's like, I hate people, then, <laughs> you know, we can teach him anything on leadership. He's Sorry, probably Brian. not going to be the best. Leader. No, I'm not <laughs> sure if he doesn't I'm like enjoying people, how I'm being singled out in these examples. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start to flip it. I'll have Nick be the bad guy. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not going to take it personally. <laughs> but you know what I mean is that 
if you're just like, I don't like people, then, then nothing that we teach you is going to work. If, if Nick has less experience in your same industry, but has a desire to lead people, he'll be a more effective leader. It, you have to have that desire, mm-hmm. you know, and then we can, then we can teach everything. When I got the boot camp, they didn't welcome me and say, wow, look who's here. He'll eventually <laughs> write a leadership book someday. We should learn from him. <laughs> that wasn't, that was not the greeting that my drill instructors gave me. But they, but they used justice and they planted the same leadership seeds in me that they plant in everybody. And then they watch it grow, you know, and so they, they cultivate mm-hmm. it. We don't do enough cultivating of the leadership seeds we're planting. And worst case, we're not even planting any leadership seeds in the workplace. So nothing's growing. And then we're upset because we don't have an environment that fosters enthusiasm and excitement, all the things that leaders do, like that awesome palm tree behind you. It is <laughs> cultivated <laughs> and it's empowering, right? So right. the best part is leadership is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. No, that's a great qu- uh, point you brought up there about development, right? You see a lot of organizations get upset that they don't have any up and coming leaders, but then again, they don't invest anything in you know, training because they see it as an expense. It's like, well, you know, we're going to train Joe Smith over there, leadership, we pay for it, and then he leaves, you know, so they see it as a liability. So yeah. I'm sure you're having these conversations, you know, before you get in engagements of organizations where they're not willing to spend money on the younger talent. Because when we see leadership training, it's always, you know, geared a lot of times towards senior level management, like director yeah. level up. Um, so how important is it for them to be investing in their people early on in leadership training? Well, great question. And if you look at it from the military standpoint, as soon as you enter, you're developed as a leader. And, and why is that? Because at any given point, they want you to think and act like a leader, even if nobody's reporting into you yet. Um, without a doubt, the organizations that we work with, as they start to have this umbrella of leadership where every person is looked at as a leader, now maybe they, they're on the org chart, they don't have direct reports, but when you start to think about the power of every person thinking and acting like a leader, it's always worth it to develop them as a leader rather than paying for the cost of their mistakes because they're disengaged. And, and that's the part that because there's no line item for lack of leadership, they don't see how damaging it is. And so when you're looking at the military, one of the reasons that um, they are so highly effective, and I'm not saying they're perfect by any means, they have their issues, but they have a higher success ratio and a higher efficiency ratio than any organization and the only thing that they're really doing differently in the people business is everyone is considered a leader, even if no one's reporting into you. So the development of leaders is, is incredible at all levels because it unifies everybody. And when a person thinks and acts like a leader, they do not make as many mistakes as somebody who just feels like they're just a number. So at, at the end of the day, it's actually cheaper to invest in developing all of your people as leaders than paying the price for losing a client based on a mistake from a team member who wasn't thinking and acting like a leader. I Every couldn't agree with time. you more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, and we see it happen all the time. Eric, it I mean, makes me think, think about, about it. Oh, oh, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, you think about losing one key account. Mm-hmm. If you have a key account and you lose that key account, 
because a disengaged team member or a disengaged leader said something or did something or didn't say something or didn't do something, the cost of that could actually cripple your whole business. And so the, the, the actual expense of developing leaders is such a small amount compared to what's at stake if you don't develop them. So it's always worth it. I was going to share uh, my own story. You know, I, I led an IT department with another uh, top level uh, senior uh, executive IT leader. And, you know, ultimately we were trying to align uh, the company's first IT strategic plan with the executive directive that we had received from our CEO. And one of those efforts was to put every member of that IT department through a leadership training program mm -hmm. for very similar reasons that you're talking about. We wanted to make sure that we were able to execute with folks who had leadership as uh, a, a behavioral trait, not necessarily reflecting what the title was in the role that they were in at that time. That's huge, yep. But when you're gonna pivot and make you know huge leaps and strides with an innovative type of strategy, you've gotta have people who are equipped and ready to change at a moment's notice. And if they don't have that kind of, uh, you know, leadership trait already baked into who they are and how they perform, uh, you're not going to be effective. You're not going to be ready. Well, I mean, you hit the, you, I don't know how many nails you just hit on the head, but a lot of, <laughs> and, and let me say it like this. So the chapters in my book go in a sequential order for a reason. So there's 12 chapters and eventually we get to the part where we talk about collaborating. So your innovative ideas. So chapter nine is collaboration. And as leaders start to create this environment where people think and act like leaders, then you can take these small teams, create a think tank, and collaborate. And what comes out of collaboration is this innovative idea. And that innovative idea should go into your plan, exactly what you're saying. So chapter nine is collaboration. Chapter 10 is have a plan. Every leader is there to support a plan, but most organizations don't have a plan, so most leaders don't have a purpose. And it's just, it's like the wild, wild west, but you're going to see that once you plant one seed, they all grow. So now we have a team creating innovative ideas. They go inside the plan. Chapter 11 is build leaders because a strong leader will do more with a weak plan than a weak leader ever could with a strong plan. Then we get to chapter 12, which is become a visionary leader so we can stretch the vision of the leaders running the plan that holds all the collaborative innovative ideas. It makes so much sense. And yet we still promote people based on availability and seniority. And we don't want to develop them because we don't want to hurt their feelings. And yet they're crushing the uh, morale and the cultures in their companies because even though they're brilliant on their products, brilliant on their services, brilliant in their industry, and brilliant talking about their business, they couldn't tell you one leadership word. And leadership is the people business. So all their brilliance still falls apart because they can't unify their people. And those same brilliant people are now frustrated because they have more work on their plate because they can't delegate it off to the people who are just engaged. I mean, it's just a, it's a vicious cycle. And we get in there and we break that cycle of disengagement. And that's the beauty of leadership. That is the beauty of leadership development. It's planting the traits and the principles that you guys are talking about in a formulatic way where there, there's a system and a process to it. It's not just a hype and rah-rah session. Right. But there's actually a formula for it and there's a purpose for it. Delegate with a purpose, you know, 
innovate so that we get these new creative ideas on how to make us greater, have a plan so it's a visual tool. I mean, all these things, most leaders just show up to work. They don't show up and make an impact like they could. Mm -hmm. But we help them with that. We are in the business of transforming people and magnifying results. And that's that's the exciting <laughs> part of what we get to do every day, you know? Heck yeah. No, that's really awesome. And, you know, when you're talking about that bad leader too, those up-and-comers who might have those leadership qualities probably notice those people are terrible leaders right away and they just look for some, some other place to work. Like they, they can okay. notice it. Yeah. <laughs> so th all right. So think about this. Let's say you hire somebody, right? They hire somebody who comes from a company where they did some leadership development. They're going to sniff you out right away. They know you've got no leadership skills. Oh, yeah. you know? like, like, like when I left the Marine Corps and I went, my first, my first job was Kmart. I was like, where am I? This is weird. <laughs> and there were, it was good people, but there was, there was no shred of leadership in there. Mm -hmm. The manager had a meeting. People were talking during the meeting. The manager had an idea. Somebody shot it down during the meeting. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Somebody was late to the meeting and it was one of his leaders. And I'm like, oh, all right, my. um, well, this is different. <laughs> so, you know, we plant these leadership seeds so we can harvest all the benefits at the end of the day. And when we fail to plant the seeds, nothing grows in the organization. And so, you know, the, here's the thing. When leaders are struggling to find up-and-coming leaders, they're not looking in the right areas. If, if every person you're hiring is a future leader, they're all up-and-coming leaders. Mm -hmm. they, just, they just need a leader to lift them up. So, so in the Marines, there was no like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to be an air traffic control. I'm not going to be a leader. Uh, no, you're a leader first. <laughs> So we were developed as leaders before we were taught our jobs. The civilian world is the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it can happen just like the, the military, but it can happen simultaneously. So as I'm training Nick to do X, Y, and Z at our company, I could be developing him with A, B, and C as a leader. And the development of his leadership skills actually enhance his ability to implement the training he's received. So people who are developed as leaders do what they are trained to do better. And then here's, here's an interesting dynamic. Sometimes leaders will say to me, um, and I might've shared this with you guys before, but they'll get so frustrated that their team's not taking initiative and not doing the things they were trained to. They'll say, Eric, can you just train on common sense? And I'm like, <laughs> and you've heard it before. And yep. I said, no, you can't, tra you can't train on common sense. You've already trained them at their job. Where you drop the ball is you didn't develop them as a leader. The leadership development causes them to do more with what you train them on. But you're not delegating anything to them. You haven't taught them initiative. You haven't done the leadership side. So people stand there like this and they go, well, they're not doing anything. <laughs> well, they haven't been developed to do anything. They've just been mm -hmm. trained. But training is never enough. It's yeah. the development. Well, yeah, you see it every day. And we're, 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 we're setting leaders free every single day and simultaneously unleashing the people power in them. And it's exciting. And it's, again, it's so simple, but it takes a lot of hard work and dedication, you know? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, you know, I, I would like to, to get to asking you the question that we, we always ask about books, but since we've already asked you about books, uh, books that have influenced you, uh, you're an author of multiple books. 
I would like to ask you specifically, uh, you know, which of those books do you think is most critical as a starting point for someone who wants to uh, follow the path that you've laid with Think Great? I mean, I, I really think, you know, as we've been touching down on leadership so much, you know, the leadership connection is it's the fourth book I wrote, but it's the most popular book because it's for every leader, but it's also for every team member. If we take the approach that everybody's a leader and this really does more than just be a hype and rah-rah about leadership, this gives them the exercises and the steps to take. If, if leadership is a journey, it means we're going somewhere. And after each chapter, we have steps that they can take. And I think that's what's missing from most of the leadership teachings right now is we hear it, we hear it, we hear it. But yeah, that all makes sense. But what do I do? And, and we're not short on that content. We have it for people. And we say, hey, here's what, the, what you can do. So the leadership connection teaches leaders how to connect their people for the most powerful results. That's great. I've got one more question for you, Nick. Yeah. Are you ready to jump in with something there? No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So, you know, we talked a lot about this, uh, this transition phase, um, yeah. but there's, there's going to be a, a point where we're coming out of some of the chaos that we're in and whether it's mm-hmm. the, uh, the riots, you know, or, around these racial divisions and police brutality, mm-hmm. whether it's COVID, whether it's all of the above, um, there's, there's going to be a day where, you know, the air is clearing and yeah. we're moving into that third phase. So let's, uh, in closing, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's the, the preparedness um, that we all need to be ready for as we start to enter into phase three. So here, here's what I think. If you touched down on it earlier, Brian, every leader needs to have a plan. And, and that plan is going to state a destination. So the way we do strategic planning is we take an aviation approach. So since I was an air traffic controller, your business is like an aircraft. It's designed to soar into the heavens, not stay on the runway, right? And so there's a lot of businesses stuck uh, kind of in that airfield of, of mediocrity. They're not soaring. No matter what, whether it's the riots, whether it's COVID, it doesn't matter. The goals in the plan should still be there. And, and we should be closer to them during the transition than we were before the transition. So at the end of the day, leaders should still be working on their goals. I'm working on my seventh book right now. I'm not letting anything stop me from it because it's in the plan. And so our motto is, if it's in the plan, we work on it. If it's not in the plan, we don't work on it. And it eliminates a lot of wasted time. So I'm, I'm almost thinking, if you guys have me back, that part three <laughs> should be on the power of a plan. We should do strategic planning. Love because it. Most people don't understand it, and most businesses don't use one as a whole. Uh, they, they may have a, you know, um, a plan for certain things, but, but they don't have an overarching plan that every leader supports using the plan as a visually empowering leadership tool. And when you do it, you create the highest levels of buy-in from the leaders and the team members. So if I make it back for part three, <laughs> that would be my suggested topic. <laughs> Because every leader needs a plan, but they, but ninety percent, ninety five percent of the businesses out there don't use a plan. It's crazy. Well, the good news is Nick and I have a plan, and uh, I think it's that you've already factored into. <laughs> you might want to repeat yourself there. You went. Uh... 
Did we lose your you brain? You went rogue on us. Yeah, you went yeah, rogue. Sorry about that. <laughs> I can tell. I have a max headroom moment there. Moving. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. You are. <laughs> your 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 palm trees just go spill. Oh dear. It's just still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying. You know, fortunately, Nick and I have a plan, and it's likely that you factor into it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I love our discussions because I think that you guys, you know, you really see the bigger purpose behind leadership. It is certainly, like you said, it's not a title, it's not a position, it's a purpose, but we have to teach that purpose. And for those that are inclined, those that desire it, they can surround themselves with that purpose and then really fulfill the purpose rather than just fill a position. And there's a lot of empowerment and engagement that comes from that. So I'd be happy to to join you guys on the airwaves again and, and then toss out some other ideas on some other topics for your listeners. Perfect. And Eric, if people are looking for you, where, where can they find you? Best place to find us is at our website, thinkgreat90.com. And, uh, and you know what? I'll send you guys a link. We've got a four-part leadership development series coming up for uh, on virtually. And, uh, and I, I facilitate all four parts. They're three hours per part once a week. Um, anybody who registers, they're going to get a, a leadership kit that has a book, four workbooks, uh, all kinds of materials in there for them that can follow us on this journey. We launch it in July, July 14th, but I'll send you guys a, a link with a discount for your listeners. Perfect. Cool. We'll be sure to share that. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to, you know, wrapping up the trilogy and maybe even starting a new one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're happy Sounds to be like part of the journey. Yeah. Thanks guys. You guys are awesome and uh, have a great day and let me know if there's anything I can ever do for you. All right. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, thanks, Eric. Bye-bye.